Hello, I'm Rob Hirschfeld, CEO and co-founder of RackN and your host for the Cloud 2030 podcast. Today's session is a one-on-one session with Emil of Entirety, which is an MSP that specializes in hybrid security. They're working with both huge and small customers by helping them build a coherent IT strategy with a focus on holistic security and hybrid cloud. We had a fantastic discussion about those topics and more. And if you're into security, you will find this a fascinating discussion. For example, here's something that Emil says at the end of our discussion that we've pulled forward for you. We went to assess 3,000 devices, but ended up finding another 700 devices that did not know about. They did not know about, you know, so those are part of their infrastructure, but they didn't know they existed. And therefore, they were neither patched nor secured, nor, 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 but they're on their network, right? So, and this happens over and over and over again. And this is a Fortune 50 company. This is not a small outfit, right? And that is just a taste of the detailed conversation that we have around hybrid cloud and infrastructure security. Enjoy. Emil, welcome to the show. It is a pleasure to have you on. Can you give us a little background so so everybody knows knows what you're doing, what what you've been up to? Sure. Yeah. Um, I'm currently at uh, Entirety. I'm the CEO and president of Entirety, and um, Entirety is in a new is a new and um, and uh, old company, established company. We're the product of a merger of two companies, Hostway and Hosting. Hostway and Hosting were both companies that have been around for you know close to 20 years, and uh, we merged the two companies about two years ago and uh, rebranded the company to Entirety, um, as well as frankly pivoted along with uh, what a lot of uh, uh, prior hosting companies did into the managed services area and whatnot. And that makes a lot of sense to me from that that position, right? The the cloud market. And the hosting market is so is fast moving, but it's not just one thing, right? You can't you can't expect people to just run your infrastructure, run in your data centers anymore. How how has that been evolving since? Um, boy, you've been in this business for a long time. How's this evolved over the last couple of years? Sure. Yeah, you're right. I've been in this business for a long time, and. Um... As, as you may recall, I was at Rackspace for a good bit and uh, saw that transition and, uh, and was part of the transition, frankly. Um, over the last two years, I would say, um, you know, the world has moved to hybrid. Uh, it is not, will be moving to hybrid, right? So it has moved <laughs> to hybrid. Um, and, uh, you know, especially at least the customers that we deal with, which are established companies um, that have been around for a while, and uh, through their evolution, you know, they've had the data center that's in the server closet. They've done the colo bit. They've done the hosting bit. Now, you know, they're under mandate to also do cloud. But all these things are having to work together. They, nobody gets rid of some of their old infrastructure or their old applications, right? People are still running old applications on old uh, infrastructure or I would say uh, uh, legacy infrastructure. So all these things need to work together. And the challenge today is that all these things need to be working together. They need to be patched together. Uh, they need to be secured. Very important. This is the angle that um, that we've specialized in is the whole area of compliance security, right? So, um, um, what what we're seeing, and especially you know, like you know, the last the last hack that just happened with the Colonial Pipeline, illustrates what 
the danger that we have from a, from an infrastructure standpoint and and security because you know as the world has moved um colonial pipeline you know has has built a lot of its infrastructure on industrial controls that were built before the internet was a thing right and right. Yeah. and um and then all of a sudden they built their infrastructure based on that industrial controls that were there before and then they connected the whole company to the internet without thinking about that these points are going to become points of vulnerability and then you know that's the hacks and that's a lot of hacks that are going on um it's all from that old uh legacy infrastructure that was not set up and secured properly so um so yeah i mean we are in a hybrid environment and you know we got to all figure out how to secure it how to manage it every every one of us has an angle uh that we would specialize in and um and you know our specialty frankly is um taking over the environment as a whole and doing um the management um uh, from a to z um in a compliant and secure uh manner and then you know maintaining that environment as time goes on so you know from a um design uh, I'm sorry design build run kind of a perspective that makes a lot of sense yeah security is a, a really a cross cutting concern in a lot of these in a lot of these cases um because i you know we saw with the colonial pipeline that was really an attack through email it wasn't it wasn't you know go and attack the pipelines themselves um it was you know all these systems are connected together and and any vulnerability could expose you to in, can expose your whole system so i guess what i'm hearing from you is that you take a holistic approach you're working with a company across their infrastructure needs yeah i mean from my perspective um uh, absolutely it's a holistic approach um uh, we our company we we work um from the onset um in the design phase and then we build it and then we operate it for 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 our clients right so that that's kind of sense. yeah 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 and so from from that perspective if you're operating for somebody i mean there's so, there's got to be technical debt there's got to be sins that they've made how do you help somebody you know identify that debt and then you know fix it what's is there a strategy that that makes sense and from that perspective it's all it seems like it would be always different so look it all starts with an assessment with an um with a thorough and honest assessment where um it's got to be a thorough and an honest assessment from the perspective of look if a uh customer doesn't necessarily have the debt uh, um let's not necessarily um fix something that's not broken at least for the interim yeah. right um but then you know what you end up finding is that there are a lot of points of vulnerabilities there are you know a lot of systems that are unpatched you know some of our biggest customers and you would know um you know we would go and do a discovery and then less than 50% are properly patched right so you start working with them and then you know you get them to like something like 98% patching right and right and then, and you know and then the risk starts to go down but uh yeah it's it's interesting to me because like we just were also on the eve of a huge VMware vulnerability being announced on you know port 443 so it's a front door vulnerability going way back um and it's not good enough to patch once right you have to move into a posture of always being ready to patch right mm -hmm. i i guess that when i when i look at it it's like yeah you, you got to help people clean up the mess 
But if you just clean it up today, you know, the dust is going to start to settle on all those systems, you know, right away. It's, it, there's no, there's no, you know, fix it once and, and walk away. You, you got to be always there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is, this is why from a security perspective, you know, what, what I always like to um, propose is um, you absolutely have to f you identify the risks, right? So the first thing is identify the risk. The second thing is you have to secure it as best as you can. Um, right. Look, no matter how good we are, I said as best as we can, as best as we know, because these hackers, I mean, they are, um, you know, we're dealing with nation states in many cases, right? I mean, we're dealing with very organized criminal syndicates out there that are that are yeah. doing this this is not the hacker that's sitting in the basement right so, so it's, a, it's a money-making enterprise at, the, at this point and they're 100 percent yeah. and uh, and maybe we can talk about that a uh, little bit but so then you secure it but even with that you're going to have some things that are going to get through your security because your security is just a cast cat and mouse game and then you know you got to keep making it more robust and more robust so if you secure it and then there is a breach or there's a portion of your infrastructure that's breached, you're going to be able to recover quickly. And so that's the third, you know, that's the kind of third leg of the stool, right? So yeah. discovery, protection, recovery, and then assurance. This is the continuous, you know, operational discipline of uh, continual patching, of making sure that you comply with any uh, compliance requirements on a continuous basis, uh, that you you have a robust infrastructure that is protected against day zero threats, right? So that's you know. <laughs> does does that include a degree of portability and migration? Because you know, hybrid makes sense, right? You were talking about hybrid and multi multi cloud along those things. You have you operate many data centers, so you you have the option to help customers move move their infrastructure into new locations and migrate is is that part of a security strategy or do i just you know is, is it just for cost um so it, it's uh absolutely 100 percent. this is part of the uh, the assurance it's not just a security assurance but also assurance that the infrastructure is working properly is optimized is cost optimized as well so there's a whole practice ar around Making sure that the that the infrastructure is modern, <laughs> is movable, mm -hmm. right? Um, and and also portability comes into play actually in the recovery as well. Um, you got to be able to recover very elegantly in case you have a breach, right? In case you have a disaster. Yeah, that's right. right. So that Other, comes... otherwise you're sending otherwise you're sending what Ethereum out to the ransomware people, right? You, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. So um, I mean that is a very important concept, and also. You know, it renders the exercise a lot easier um, on us if we're able to kind of architect things with a certain level of abstraction, um, uh, so that we can we can actually harness that portability. So, what would be abstraction in your mind, right? I mean, we talk about abstractions a lot in IT, and and it's helpful to sort of break down. You know, do we need to abstract the hardware vendors, virtualization layers, the cloud itself? What what what's a helpful abstraction for people to think about? Yeah, quite honestly, it depends on the application and it depends on okay. the situation, right? I mean, so again, I think you have you're going to have a mix of these. Um, yes, absolutely, hardware abstraction is um, it, it, it is key, especially when you're talking about applications that require you know a lot more native performance, um, and then. You know, there are certain things that um, would tremendously benefit from 
um, things like Kubernetes and whatnot, where you're actually, you know, moving from one cloud to another, um, one one type of infrastructure to, uh, to, to another, you know, probably more modern apps that are more conducive mm. to that. So um, I do think the age of the app matters um, and, um, and and the architecture of the application matters. What do you think? What are your thoughts? You're, you're into this big time. <laughs> I, you know, it's, it's interesting because I, applications are composed of a lot of different things. Um, so storage and networking topology, all of those things can make an application really fragile from a migration perspective um, or very wired into a specific uh, provider from that sense. So I think that that people want to believe that developers can be can run off in their own and, and develop great stuff and not have to worry about the operational side. Um, and and then my experience has been people get very surprised when the developers make assumptions that reduce portability, reduce security, reduce operability. Um, and those are exactly the types of cleanups that you're talking about. Um, and the fact, the fact, you know, <laughs> and I would, I would add legacy applications are just applications that the developers aren't, you know, there to, to there to fix anymore in, in a sense. Um, so it's not like the developers today are better or worse than the developers, you know, 10 years ago, five years ago, 30 seconds ago. Um, they're just not always focused on the, these broader questions. Um, and, and that's actually an interesting thing, right? I can see you working with somebody who's actively doing the development and helping that. Are you dealing with applications where it's it's not, there's no easy way to call up the developers and say, hey, you know, if you could only use a DNS entry or, you know, an, an, an API here instead of coding right directly to the, the, you know, the endpoint, um, how do you, where do you resolve those things? I mean, I think, I think this is where the issue comes in is because a lot of these applications were developed, you know, whatever, 20 years ago, and the developers yeah. are no longer around, either retired or moved on or whatnot. And um, so um, it, it is, you know, this is why you have to do it very carefully, right? And um, virtualization help because you can actually test what, you know, test before going mm. to production, of course. And uh, it's a... Uh, it's an easy way to kind of, you know, do the do the testing, measuring twice and cutting once in a way. So um, um, I do think that's, you know, super helpful. Um, but you're absolutely right in many cases. And um, we have multiple customers um, in the education field, as an example. Um, their applications were developed 20 years ago. Uh, for teachers, and um, and frankly, they're they're scared to death, especially during COVID, um, from moving from making these transitions uh, because their developers are no longer there. Um, and then if they're down, then teachers can't teach. And then you know, and at that point, you know, during COVID, I mean, they're teaching online. There's no option. It's like, oh, you know, I'll pull up, fine, you know, the computer, <laughs> you know, the computer's down. I'll pull up my book, you know, and then just yeah. read it, read it to people. There's no. You, you see what I'm saying? Like there was no other way, um, but um, their infrastructure was, you know, honestly very legacy and whatnot. And um, we did a lot of testing in parallel. Uh, we did not move production. A lot of testing using abstraction, various abstraction methods, depending on the on the application. As to your point, you know, what is it using? Is it using storage? You know, what kind of storage? Uh, and uh, <laughs> and did a lot of the testing off you know, and test beds 
until it was ready to kind of start flipping the switches one by one. And uh, that makes that makes it. I have similar experiences. You don't know how far that sweater is going to unravel until you start pulling the threads. So correct. Uh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and and this is a good a good example. Do you then get to take those parallel migrations and and then use them as sort of a, a, a infrastructure test bed on an ongoing basis? Because you know. If you do all that work to automate, if, if I'm assuming, if you're doing it well to automate this migration, then that automation becomes, you know, basically an ongoing thing. You can then recreate environments. You can use that to help build and reconstruct. It, it, it feels like that investment is an is an ongoing investment. It's not just a one thing. It definitely is. Exactly. It becomes a it becomes a uh, a core competence. The only the only difficulty is that the environments that we go in, um, um, look, there's a body of work that is defi definitely replicatable. 100% uh, the automation is yeah. there. Um, though you'd be surprised how many unique environments that we go in. There's always something unique about the application <laughs> of every customer. because Everything's a snowflake. That's right. Right? That's the issue. Especially, look, the target customer of ours is really a customer that has been around for 15 years or more. Mm -hmm. um, and and because of that, it's just been a um, a collage of technologies that have been been built over time. And that makes, uh, that makes a lot of sense. And then acquisitions I, I think, and acquisitions yeah. have come along, right? They've acquired companies. They've been acquired. So you get all these conflicting IT architectures and IT philosophies as well. You know that that you know they're having to deal with. So yeah, that makes that makes perfect sense. I, I think. You know, when you look at the public cloud providers, um, and people forget this, there's a lot of assumptions baked in to a public cloud provider, right? And since you actually are able to do your own direct hosting, then you can set it up in, you know, what the customer needs, not, you know, not what fits, you know, your mass-produced uh, infrastructure as a service account. And I, I guess maybe that's the big difference with the type of service you're providing. Absolutely. Um... Yeah, we are um, we are very infrastructure agnostic, even even to our own infrastructure and our own data centers. You know, um, okay. and we try to optimize um, because look, at the end of the day, um, at the end of the day, the the you know we got to meet the customer where they are, and we got to meet where what their needs are. Um, yeah. So this is why we've developed. Um, and made tremendous investments in developing expertise, both in managing AWS infrastructure, managing Google infrastructure, Azure infrastructure, right? So we have, you know, over 600 uh, certifications in the company, very high levels of um, certification in the company on the public cloud, as well as managing our own infrastructure and having our own VMware private cloud. So it's just like all this, this collage of technologies, literally. And, and, um, and you know, from our perspective, we are, um, I would say, impartial to what infrastructure a customer ends up using. Our value add is really in the managed services that sit on top of it. It's in that makes in, that in, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, and everything that sits on top of it, you know, from patching to monitoring to um, to security to managing the databases, optimizing databases, right, setting up DR backup. You know the whole that whole stack that sits on top of it. It's a lot of it's a lot of expertise, and so yeah, when you're able to have you know somebody come in and say, all right, 
I don't need a full-time Amazon or a full-time Google person or a VMware person, right? Even if they have, even if they need that, you know, the having a diverse skill set for in this world is really important. Um, and then, do you overlay security as a specialty in that? How do you how do you weave security into that skills mix? That's a great question. So, uh, our approach to security is that it's part of every layer. Security, okay. compliance, security, because ultimately, look, you know, the verific one of the pieces of verification of security is compliance with certain uh, certain um, regulations out there. Um, the other one is no hacks, of course. That's the <laughs> right. right. Well, <laughs> but but uh, uh, but but there's know. there's a lot of times where people don't know if they've been hacked. They don't know that they're up to date. They don't know if they're patched. I mean, it's you know, you you really can't secure what you can't see. Bingo. Exactly. Challenge. Which is which is why we start foundationally. Foundationally, and in your question is perfect. We start at the foundation with the monitoring and the patching, right? Um, okay. You know, SolarWinds, they went in, you know, through a quote-unquote monitoring app, right? I mean, they, mm -hmm. they, they came in through the back door through something that looked pretty uh, pretty benign and pretty secure and pretty robust from a well-reputed company. So um, mm -hmm. bottom line is that, you know, you got to start from every layer of, um, of the IT infrastructure. So, you know, even the most um, basic monitoring you know, as part of our security um, security offering, so we ensure that um, uh, you know patching, monitoring, um, um, disaster recovery, the databases themselves. You know, there's now no backdoor entries to the um, uh, to the databases because that's another vector of, of penetration. Email security, as you well stated, right? Email security is a big vector of attack, uh, right? Phishing attacks and yeah, other, right? Sure. And other, so. Um, so it is a comprehensive view to security um, that uh, we 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 assume that our SOCs are all in the United States. We have three uh, SOCs in the United States. Um, they're all here, um, and that's important. Um, that is very important given the degree, I would say, of nation-state attacks and um, and um, yeah, and I would say. Um, rogue nation type of activity uh, combined with organized crime and even combines with terrorist organizations. Uh, that's not that's not something that a lot of people are talking about. But I mean, you have terrorist organizations that are funding their activities around the world with um, uh, with these types of ransomware attacks. So, mm -hmm. um, um, I mean, absolutely. You know, our our perspective is that you know you got to have a comprehensive security posture. That includes all these points of entry, um, you know, from email to monitoring to your software applications to literally every um, every point of entry and point of point of exit uh, from your network. That sounds overwhelming, frankly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what we do. Um, that's what we do. Um, wow. It is overwhelming, and then you know, one day I will be writing a book or having a podcast, just talk about um, what, uh, what we've seen. I don't want to talk about what we are seeing because that kind of gives hackers and uh, bad actors a view into what is it that we're doing to kind of protect. But, uh, yeah. but I got to tell you, looking backwards, uh, you know, maybe I can talk about stuff that we've seen, you know, five years ago, but I got to tell you, it's, it's increased 
um, at an exponential level in both sophistication and um, and aggressiveness. Uh, uh, yeah, the, these ransomware attacks really turned created a profit motive um, that that I think we as an industry weren't prepared for. We always you know assumed that hacking was in a state trying to steal secrets or you know break a system or something like that or a, a rogue. Um, just doing it for profit is a whole different ballgame. Um, it's, you know, that that's where it's, it. I get scared because that's an, in, that's an industry. Um, and it's a whole, it's a whole different type of defense from that perspective, right? Because, and, and I, I'd be interested in your opinion on this. What I heard from the ransomware attacks is that they make the ransoms now low enough that people just pay them right they know what the economic order you know pain threshold is for that and you know supply demand they've 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 locked it down to being cheaper than it is to fix um five million dollars for the pipeline for shutting down the whole eastern united states it's not a lot of money you know compared to the economic damage that it's caused right but they shut down the eastern united states um for several and, well, days. They said they shut down a couple, you know, not that long ago. Said the what city of Baltimore was shut down? Absolutely. School for, systems. For weeks and weeks, yeah. School systems during COVID. Um, um, you name it, hospitals. Um, you name it. And then, you know, the, and then, you know, you have um, the industrial secrets that are being, uh, that are being, um, Stolen. Actually being stolen. Yeah. Absolutely. And, um, you know, battery technology, um, there's even suppliers, not necessarily Tesla itself, but suppliers to Tesla uh, that have been hacked and, um, you know, very proprietary documents, I would say, you know, that are, that rise to the level of uh, national trade secrets in the United States that have been, that have been stolen. Um, and it feels, and it feels like our, we're, we're just leaving the doors open in these systems. Um, how does somebody know that they need help? Like, I, right, it's, I, I wish we could assume nowadays that setting up software was default secure and resilient. Um, feels like a lot of things we do today aren't default secure. How does somebody know that they're leaving their doors open here? So I think you should assume that you are. Um, and the mm. only way to do it is is do some kind of a assessment, and then even if the assessment comes out says, "Hey, look, you know, you're clear," you know, really kind of adopt a comprehensive security posture. And you can do that one of two ways. If you're big enough, you can certainly you know develop it, but it is overwhelming, as you said. Um, yeah. My humble advice is to kind of find somebody that's able to kind of capture all these. Um, um, all these entry points and have a comprehensive um, managed security umbrella, kind of like similar to the Iron Dome when it comes to missiles, right? Something that will protect, you know, that will protect your entire, uh, um, uh, you know, assets, if you will, IT yeah, assets. And even, and even even the Iron Dome doesn't make it, you know, isn't it 100%? It's not. No, nothing so. is 100%, right? Nothing is 100% because right. it's a... You know, um, it's always a cat and mouse, but, you know, it's better than not having anything, right? Um, it's better than not having anything for sure. That's, well, that's, that's, I think the defense that what you're, somebody's doing is not interesting and, and nobody would bother. Um, 
is not a very good defense anymore, right? It's, you know, the, you know, you're, you know, you could be a target for somebody deciding they're going to encrypt your hard drives and charge you a hundred bucks. And they've gotten it to a point where, you know, that's, you know, if that's, if, if, if it's a nuisance payment, but you have to pay it, then they've, they're winning there. There's a positive feedback cycle in that, um, to make that go. And we have to figure out how to break that. Interesting. So, so how, how do you, you know, what, what should somebody do if they're considering, you know, getting help? Do they, do they call you up? Do you, what's, what's the right avenue for somebody to start this journey? Absolutely. Um, you can contact us, uh, www.entirety.com. Entirety is spelled N-T-I-R-E-T-Y, um, dot com. So, um, and the name is entirety, meaning like the whole thing, like you, you kind of captured it in the beginning, uh, that, you know, it's a comprehensive approach to security. This is a comprehensive approach to infrastructure security and, uh, and, uh, and the entire stacks. And, um, that's, that's what we do. Uh, that's exactly what we do. We secure enterprises, um, while also managing the entire stack because it's part and parcel of it. It's not like, Oh, you know, I got to go get a managed security services provider and then a managed services provider. Those two worlds are one now. Those two worlds are yeah. one are moving, you know, into a one world where a managed services provider cannot not be also a managed services, uh, a security services provider, right? These two worlds are one. And then, you know, we've kind of started this journey about a couple of years ago, I think ahead of everybody else in the industry. And I think it's, it's, um, it's proven to be the right strategy. Makes a lot of sense to me. There's, there's no doubt. And I, I see this with all the SaaS businesses and things like that. People's data and keys and credentials are getting spread into a lot of different places. Um, and if you know, you're, it's very hard to keep track of where all those things are. So having a holistic approach really can make a big difference. I, I imagine there's a lot of surprises when you start doing those assessments about just how, how distributed people's, uh, information is in the, yes, in the world. Exactly. A lot of surprises. Exactly. Some, you know, proprietary, we can't really discuss, but I tell you, um, one fortune 50 company, um, out of the 3000 devices that, uh, we assessed, we found out, we went to assess 3000 devices, but ended up finding another 700 devices that did not know about. They did not know about, you know, so those are part of their infrastructure, but they didn't know they existed. And therefore, <laughs> they were neither patched nor secured, nor, 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 but they're on their network, right? So, and this happens over and over and over again. And this is a Fortune 50 company. This is not a small outfit, right? I am absolutely not surprised. And that is why people need to actually have a discipline around this. Uh, this is this is great. I actually appreciate security is is one of those topics that I always get nervous to talk about, um, and it always comes back to um, you know this holistic holistic approach. And you know you, you're not making it scary, which I appreciate. It's just work that we got to do together. So Neil, thank you for coming on the show. Appreciate the dialogue, and it's been a pleasure to talk with you again. Absolutely, always a pleasure, Rob. Always, always. Thank you for having me on the show. And thank you to your listeners as well. I've known Emil for a long time and always fascinating to talk to him and hear what they're doing. Uh, security is a challenge. 
IT is a challenge, um, but we really do need to figure out ways to up our game. Um, and one of the things I think is so important with security is it's not a game you can do yourself. Having a trusted advisor and a partner in doing it, somebody who has real expertise and can look at your systems is a value. And so always keep in mind that with security, you never know everything you need to know. There's always something that you've missed. And that's a really hard strategy to plan for. I hope this was helpful. Please come join us in more conversations at the2030.cloud. Uh, if you have a topic you want to talk about with me one-on-one, -on -one, please let me know. I am delighted to have these in-depth conversations and then share them with you. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to the Cloud 2030 podcast. It is sponsored by RackN, where we are really working to build a community of people who are using and thinking about infrastructure differently, because that's what RackN does. We write software that helps put uh, operators back in control of distributed infrastructure, really thinking about how things should be run and building software that makes that possible. If this is interesting to you, uh, please try out the software. We would love to get your opinion and, and, and hear how you think this could transform infrastructure more broadly. Or just keep enjoying the podcast and coming to the uh, discussions and you know laying out your thoughts and how you see the future unfolding. It's all part of building a better infrastructure operations community. Thank you.